The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 20th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the rate of UK inflation unexpectedly cools, raising the prospect that interest rates could be close to their peak. The Mayor of London tells us that Rishi Sunak is weaponising climate change as the Prime Minister considers delaying a ban on the sale of combustion engines. And as electric vehicle sales soar in the EU, Ursula von der Leyen warns that China's massive subsidies need to be investigated. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Britain's inflation has unexpectedly fallen to the lowest level in 18 months, easing pressure for further interest rate hikes from the Bank of England. The Consumer Price Index rose by 6.7% from a year ago in August, but that was less than the 6.8% gain the month before, and it was well below the 7% that economists had expected. Bloomberg's UK correspondent Lizzie Burden says it's good news for central bank policymakers in the UK. We've heard the chief economist of the Bank of England, Hugh Pill, talking about us reaching the peak of Table Mountain, maybe the end of the rate rises. And it makes it easier that that could be the case tomorrow. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says that the latest data may still not be enough, though, to stop another quarter point interest rate increase uh, tomorrow, given that inflation is still more than three times the bank's target of 2%. The Mayor of London has offered a stinging rebuke of Conservative Party plans to roll back some green policies, calling it lazy politics from a weak Prime Minister. Rishi Sunak says he wants to implement climate pledges in a, quote, more proportionate way. It's understood Sunak's considering delaying a ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars until 2035. Speaking to Bloomberg, London's Mayor Sadiq Khan derided the move. This is basically, you know, lazy politics from a weak Prime Minister throwing red meat to his back benches because he's so weak and ineffectual. It's not only Khan who's been pouring scorn on the idea. The former Conservative Business Secretary and COP26 President Alok Sharma says the change won't help economically or electorally. The head of the European Commission says that the EU needs to investigate massive subsidies that China gives its electric vehicle industry. The comments come as the EU's latest car sales data shows electric vehicles exceeded 20% of overall sales for the first time in August. Ursula von der Leyen told Bloomberg that the bloc won't accept unfair competition. We want a level playing field for our companies. And what we see is massive subsidies in the EV sector in China. 
which is of course unleveling our playing field and we do not um, accept this in the internal market for our companies so we do also not accept it uh, for Chinese companies. Von der Leyen's comments come after the European Commission announced the anti-subsidy investigation last week, which could lead to tariffs on made-in-China EV imports. Beijing has called the move a naked act of protectionism and could restrict access to European exporters in response. The Federal Reserve is expected to pause rate hikes today for the second time this year, while leaving the door open for another increase as early as November. With the inflation still well above the Fed's 2% target and the US economy resilient, officials may pencil in one more hike in their quarterly projections. Bridgewater Associates Co-Chief Investment Officer Karen Carneal-Tambor says the Fed may be slower to cut rates than many expect. The bar is high to either raise or lower rates from where we are today. When you look at what it takes to get fast rate declines, usually you need the economy collapsing pretty quickly. That's, there's a sense of urgency, right? The economy's collapsing, sense of urgency, lower rates as fast as you can. That's very far from where we are today. We don't have a collapsing economy creating that. And inflation is still uncomfortably high. It's not as high as it was. It has been coming down. But the impetus for I got to lower rates quickly is certainly not there. You can hear that full conversation with Karen Carneal-Tambor recorded at the end of August on the latest episode of Bloomberg Wealth with David Rubenstein. We'll bring you the Fed rate decision live here on Bloomberg at 7pm London time, followed by Jerome Powell's press conference 30 minutes later. Now, the Confederation of British Industry has postponed its annual meeting at the last minute over concerns about cash flow. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. The CBI has long been Britain's biggest business lobby group. Now Sky News reports it's thought to be as little as four weeks away from running out of money. Up until early this morning, the CBI's website listed its AGM due to kick-off today at 10am. But the business group told members yesterday its big annual meeting is being postponed due to cash flow issues. Its money problems come after dozens of the UK's biggest companies suspended engagement with the CBI in the wake of a series of allegations of serious sexual misconduct to the group. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Radio. President Joe Biden is calling on world leaders to stand with Ukraine in its war against Russia. He made the appeal at the UN General Assembly in New York. If you allow Ukraine to be carved up, is the independence of any nation secure? I'd respectfully suggest the answer is no. We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. Biden's remarks attracted applause from UN delegates, including his Ukrainian counterpart Volodymyr Zelensky, who was in the audience. Concerns have been growing over the cost of backing Ukraine's fight, with Kyiv's forces struggling to make major battlefield gains. Bloomberg understands that one G7 official sees the war lasting as long as seven years and says that allies need to plan financially to continue supporting Ukraine. Consumers accidentally caught a glimpse of Microsoft's future video game plans after the tech giant mistakenly provided confidential information to a federal court website. The details were part of the FTC's antitrust suit against its takeover of Activision Blizzard, including unannounced games and a refreshed Xbox console. The information has since been removed.
Those are our top stories for you this morning. On the markets, European stocks are currently up by three-tenths of 1%. FTSE 100 shares also gaining six-tenths of 1%. Two-year Treasury yields trading at 5.08. The big move, though, in markets, a 13.5 basis point decline for two-year UK gilt yields now trading at 4.85%. The story linked to those inflation numbers we were talking about from Bloomberg Opinion columnist Marin Somerset Webb this morning writing about the slump in the buy-to-let market. So we know that rents have been going up at an almost record pace, in fact, 12% year-on-year, 30% higher since the start of the pandemic. Um, But the number of people who are willing to stay in the buy-to-let market, particularly take out two new mortgages, has slumped. Uh, obviously, rising rates is a big problem. Mm. Add to that, Marin Somerset Webb says, rising regulatory costs, incoming net zero rules, uh, few extra wealth taxes, and the risk that rent control could pose to the income on these properties as well. And essentially, many because a lot of we're talking about a lot of small players and we talk about the buy-to-let market, are saying it's not worth it and pulling out. But that creates a whole different problem, is that the supply in the market shrinks, rents keep going up, and you're present, potentially presented with a rental crisis. Yeah, look, rents are an issue, aren't they? I mean, there is a problem with landlords, with upgrading old buildings, with the cost of renting, you know, with how you professionalise it, with climate change coming. But I just wonder whether we're going to really get anything out of this government, and Rishi Sunak's government. You know, this is a fraught issue. And already we're talking about um, Rishi Sunak talking about sort of rolling back some green pledges, seeing that as a win electorally potentially for the Conservatives. Yeah, we'll be watching to see what the parties say about this when we get closer to the election. Let's get more details though on today's big data print. Consumer price inflation in the UK unexpectedly falling to the lowest level in 18 months, easing pressure for further rate hikes from the Bank of England. We've already seen the markets scaling back their bets on what the bank will do next ahead of its meeting tomorrow. Let's get more from our senior UK economist, Dan Hansen. Uh, Dan, great to have you with us. Is talk us through, I suppose, your reaction to what we saw in the data this morning—a slowdown uh, in in core and in the headline CPI rate. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, and good morning. Sorry, it, it was a huge surprise to be honest with you, but uh, of course a welcome surprise because we've spent most of this year discussing upside CPI surprises. So it was nice to get a get a downside surprise. I think so. You're absolutely right. I mean, the thing that, that really caught my eye was the core number. Uh, falling to six point two percent, and beneath that, if you look at if you look at the breakdown, it looks pretty widespread. So that all important services inflation number fell from seven point four percent to six point eight percent. So it's still very elevated, but nonetheless, it's finally moving in the right direction, um, particularly when we're thinking about the Bank of England. So um, I think there was there was a lot of good news in in the in the release, um, and of course with the with the bank meeting tomorrow, it, it does throw up a bit of a cloud of uncertainty about what they might might decide to do. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that it is going to influence uh, their decision tomorrow? I'm just looking at the function on the Bloomberg terminal that shows what markets expect. I mean, you've seen a big pullback now in terms of the percentage um, probability of a rate hike tomorrow out of the Bank of England. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's obviously the the obviously the correct reaction to the data. I mean, I think there are a few things. I mean, the bank will definitely want to be sure this is durable um, in terms of the the dropping core inflation. We've seen 
particularly in the UK, less so in the Eurozone and the US, but core inflation has been quite volatile. It has bounced around. We've had upside, um, mainly upside surprises, but now we've had a downside surprise as well. So the path down hasn't been smooth. So they want to be sure it's durable. I mean, in terms of tomorrow, I think there's still enough concern or there will still be enough concern around the pay growth data for them to hike again. But I definitely think it's a very a much more balanced decision with this, because if you think about it, the pay data or the pay growth data is the only thing that's really surprised to the upside. Now you've you've got services inflation surprising to the downside, you've got the economy weakening, and you've got the unemployment rate rising faster than they expect. So there's a lot of dovish news on the data front other than the pay growth data. But I think on balance, the bank is going to lean towards probably just doing one more, just on ins- essentially on insurance grounds. Um, but I think that beyond that, there's there's a real question about is is that going to be the last one and is that it and will they will they choose to send a stronger signal that they're going to pause in uh, following uh, tomorrow's hike? And if it is a hike and a pause, or perhaps signalling a, a pause now and, and one more hike to come, how how soon could we start to think about interest rate cuts at the BOE? Yeah, I mean that's the that that will be what the, the the main question, and I think actually when you think about tomorrow, that will be one of the things the bank wants to guard against. Having got to the peak, the last thing it wants is the debate to quickly shift to the timing of the first cut. You know, we've heard from Hugh Pill, the chief economist, about this idea of Table Mountain rates staying higher for longer. For that to be an effective strategy, markets need to believe that tightening is still potentially on the table and there is a tightening bias. Um, Jay Powell's been very good at that, doing that, the the Federal Reserve Chair. So I think for us at least, we think in the middle of next year um, will be the the timing of the first cut. So our first cuts in the second quarter of 2024. I think the risks are probably to it being a little bit later than that. I mean, we've had some good news on inflation today, but the the grind lower is going to take time. Getting down to that 2% is going to take a very long time. We don't think it's going to happen until early 2025. So I think we, we've got the first cut coming in the middle of next year, but I think um, the, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was delayed till a little bit later. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Do you think, though, I mean, the, the UK's position compared to the rest of the world does remain pretty fraught, doesn't it? I mean, compare us to the US and Europe, the inflation picture is still very difficult, Dan, briefly. Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly the point. And I think that's why they're going to be careful about not claiming victory from one inflation number. So I think, you know, tomorrow it is likely we're going to get a hike and they're also not going to be um, too confident about, confident about signalling victory. And it's also why next year, if there are cuts, they'll be very limited. They're going to keep want to keep rates restrictive until yeah. inflation really does get close to that 2% number. OK, Dan, thank you so much for being with us. Bloomberg Senior UK Economist Dan Hansen. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Let's bring you more now of our interview with London's Mayor Sadiq Khan. He says the Prime Minister is weak for pulling back on green policies. He's been speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua. Well, what's happening is uh, some people are trying to weaponise uh, climate change, weaponise uh, air pollution. And here's the perversity of what Prime Minister Sunak uh, is doing. We've seen in the UK in September, in London in September, for the first time ever, four consecutive days of temperatures north of 30 degrees Celsius. We saw last year in London temperatures north of 40 degrees Celsius, wildfires in London. We've seen across Europe and the global north in America, wildfires, droughts, heat waves. The response of governments should be actually to turn this awful crisis into an opportunity, creating green jobs, a green new deal, thinking about how we can both save the planet, address climate change, but also give people security and have that just uh, transition. And this is basically, you know, lazy politics from a weak prime minister throwing red meat to his backbenchers because he's so weak and ineffectual. But do you think you could have been better supported by Keir Starmer with you guys? Well, I, I recognise uh, that we've got to make sure we take people with us. I recognise. We've got to address people's uh, concerns, but concerns. But from Keir Starmer and the Labour Party, uh, what I would hope to see, and we are seeing, is plans to address the climate emergency. You've got an announcement from the Shadow Finance Secretary, Rachel Reese, saying, you know what? In the first term of a Labour government, we'll be investing to the tune of £28 billion a year, which is, in proportionate terms, akin to, if not more, than President Biden's uh, Inflation Reduction Act. But, uh, Mayor, is it fair to say that you could have gotten more support by Keir Starmer on ULEZ and also in the by-elections, and you haven't because it's now a, a political hot potato? Well, what happened was the by-election in Uxbridge and Ryslip took place a few weeks before the ULEZ was expanded. People had genuine concerns, which we were addressing. At the same time, people were playing on that uh, as well. So, Keir and I are close friends. We've known each other for more than 25 years. The only thing we disagree about is I support a great soccer team, great football team, Liverpool. He supports a rubbish one, Arsenal. OK, but apart from football, what kind of advice would you give him to win the general election? No, I don't give Keir advice. Uh, you know, what I do is uh, I'm a friend to Keir, but also an example of what a Labour politician winning and the difference we can make being pro-business, supporting businesses to flourish and uh, thrive, being pro-enterprise, uh, being pro-fighting uh, climate emergency, being pro-clean air, building record numbers of affordable homes, uh, making sure we invest in public transport and young people. And what I, what I want people to see across the country is that that's the difference Labour winning can make compared to contrast to a Conservative government 
where there's been economic mismanagement, mistrust is all for mini budget last year, but also a weak and ineffectual Conservative leader. What can Labour now do to, even, to, to be closer to businesses? There has been a campaign to actually get them on board. I think the latest polls show that they'd be pretty happy with the Labour government. What would you do more? Well, there's two, there's two things that, that people want to see from good leaders. Uh, one is addressing social injustices, but also economic competence, supporting businesses, being proud to support businesses, being pro-businesses, being pro-business. One of the things that we've got to have the humility as politicians to accept is you know, we don't create the jobs, the wealth, the prosperity. Very often we think we do, but we don't. We can create the environment where businesses flourish and uh, thrive and work with businesses to be pro-well-paid jobs, to work with businesses to make sure they invest in young people, to work with businesses to train up people to have the skills for the jobs being created. My nervousness about the Labour Party is our reputation in the recent past uh, has been we're anti-growth, we're anti-prosperity. What Keir Starmer, Rachel Reeves, their teams have done is to reassure businesses by listening to them that we are pro-business. We're back at business as a result. Mayor, sh should London have gotten the ARM IPO and was it a kick in the teeth not to have done so? I'm sorry to hear you. The ARM IPO. Well, listen, the, the great thing about you know, London is our underlying strengths are still there. Uh, we, we, you know, even post-Brexit, we are still a city that has got all the things that businesses need to invest in London, to expand in London and to, to run in London. Mayor, what are you most excited about in the climate space? So is it green bond issuance? Can, can London Financial as a centre actually become a hub for green finance and green issuance? We, we started our conversation by you talking about uh, the ultra emission zone, the world's biggest clean air zone. There are so many exciting things happening in London. We have the largest amount of electric buses in the Western world, the largest amount of rapid charging points in the, the Western, uh, in Western Europe, I beg your pardon. Uh, you know, record numbers of trees being planted, rewilding, half our taxes are electric. What I'm saying to investors around the globe is, London is the green capital of the world. This crisis uh, of the climate emergency can be an opportunity. We have a green bond in London, more than 500 million uh, pounds, come to London invest, and also at the same time, make sure that the London Stock Exchange is known as right. the Green Stock Exchange. But, but Mayor, can London do that by itself if you have a government that doesn't really believe in, in, in its own pledges in the, in the transition? I say this, uh, I say this with uh, utmost humility and no complacency. Uh, this government is only here for a short time. In the near future, where there's a general election, as soon as it's called, I'm hoping the British public gives Labour a chance to be in government. And one of the things that Keir Starmer has done this week, another good thing he's done is, is to set out a direction of travel that with a Labour government there will be closer alignment with the European Union. And so what I say to people nervous about this ineffectual, ineffective Conservative government is uh, their lifespan is very short, they'll be out of power very soon. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.